Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fat Mascara. I'm Jen. I'm doing a little solo interview today. It's back to school time. And listen, I have nothing to do with the school calendar anymore, maybe the German school calendar, but I still get that feeling, and I know you all know what I'm talking about, of like, okay, fresh start, what's happening in culture, what products are cool, what's going on. I want to do a back-to-school haul. I don't even, like, have school to go back to, and I want to do a haul. Well, I thought this was the perfect time to have on Casey Lewis. She's the author of one of my favorite Substack newsletters called After School. It's about youth culture and Gen Z trends. It's been featured in the New York Times, the New Yorker, Business of Fashion, lots of other places. So Casey used to be an editor at Teen Vogue and MTV and New York Magazine. And then in 2016, she also started the media company Clover, and they had an audience of about 200,000 15 to 21-year-olds. So they sold that company to Awesomeness TV, which doesn't even exist anymore. But that was another digital media network for Gen Z. Things move fast in Gen Z media culture. But she lives in New York today. She has a gorgeous pit bull mix named Bear, who makes a cameo in our interview. You'll hear, but we took care of that. Love you, Bear. And we had a blast talking about teen media, the beauty trend cycle, nostalgia, Gen Z beauty brands and influencers, and, of course— some of her favorite products, some new ones she shared with me that are really good. I hope you enjoy it. We had such a great conversation. And here's Casey. Casey, hello. Welcome to Fat Mascara. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I was so excited about this particular interview because I feel like I know you from your writing, the businesses you've started, your newsletter on Substack. I'm so excited to talk about youth culture with you. I'm so excited to talk about it with you. I feel like I know you as well from your byline, uh, so this is going to be so much fun. Or we're going to like inhabit our teen selves. Here we go. <laughs> Which is funny. If you're listening, you're probably like, why? Well, that's because you founded Clover, a digital media company for teen girls. The Thank You Atusa Instagram account. Who remembers that? Aughts era teen mags. Your sub stack after school, which we'll get into a little bit more. But like teens and youth culture seem to be your thing. What's going on here? They sure are. So I have been obsessed with youth trends since I was a youth myself. A youth. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was in college, I actually worked at Y-Pulse, which is like sort of an OG trend research firm focused on teens. And of course, at that point, the research was focused on millennials because millennials were the interesting young generation at that time. But at the same time, I was also interning at Teen Vogue, 
got really obsessed. I mean, I grew up obsessed with teen magazines, but was like deeply obsessed with teen media. And so my dream job, if you had asked me when I was 16, would be to be the editor-in-chief of a teen magazine. At that time, there were a dozen. So it felt like a feasible job path. And now there's like literally one left standing. But yes, my my love of teen trends goes back to my teens. And I think it comes down to that's where the most interesting stuff happens. When you're an adolescent, you're figuring yourself out, you're trying on different identities, and you're just more interesting <laughs> in many ways. That ex- Yeah, you're not afraid to experiment at that age. Exactly. Like. And that's how I you- mean, you are. Let's be honest. There's a lot of fear that goes into being a teen. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the thing, though, is like you're, you are figuring out your identity. So like you're terrified about trying on different aesthetics, as they would say now. But it's all about self-discovery when you're a grown-up. The trends trickle down, but it's less so that you're trying to figure yourself out. You're like, is this me? Are these low-rise jeans something I can wear? Or, And when you're a teen, you yeah. don't know. You don't know who you are. Yeah. So I was going to say you started out talking to teens, obviously with Teen Vogue, but you were still talking about them with your trend company job and everything. But now even more so, you're not talking directly to teens. This is You haven't set up a newsletter for teens. It's about Gen Z, about youth culture. What? When did that switch happen for you? Yeah. So at some point, I went, you know, I worked at Team Vogue for a long time and then I worked at MTV for a bit and I was still, the audience was ultimately young people. And then started Cloverletter with my friend who was a, a former nylon editor. And I think we both, after that experience, we hit 30 and it mm. felt like, it felt a little like I couldn't edit for teens in the same way that like Rookie Mag was a big deal at that time. I, it just felt a little inauthentic. Like I had, I was pretty far from my teen, you know, fairly removed. And to be a teen in the 2020s or, you know, it's just very different than how I grew up. And so I instead really tapped in to and got more interested in how are brands and corporations and really anyone, how are they reaching this audience? And so that's when I sort of like dug deeper into like, okay, what's going on with the youth versus like, here is a packaged publication for the youths. Yeah. Do you think you lose that ability to tap into the teenage self and talk directly to teenagers as you get older? Or has that changed over time? Because I'm thinking about like, look at Judy Bloom. She'd be in her 50s and 60s and writing to preteens in a way that they say still felt relevant. But maybe yeah. that's old-timey and doesn't, you that's, can't do that anymore. It's really interesting because when I was working at Teen Vogue, I felt like I wasn't a teen anymore, but I was still very close to it. And something that was really important to us at Teen Vogue and then later with Clover is like, we aren't trying to talk like teens because that is, when you're an adult trying to talk like teens, it's an immediate giveaway. And I also think <laughs> it's that cringe. like- it's oh, cringe. I did it. It's meta. I just made it meta. <laughs> you can't be a girly trying to talk like the, t- you know, but so, um, oh, God. I mean, now if I was trying to write a publication for teens, like I can't imagine how truly cringe I would be because I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I think probably the people that would be best equipped to, to write for teens would be like teachers who are spending every single day with teens, but I'm not spending every day with teens anymore. One of my sort of interests and obsessions is old teen magazines. And thinking about those, like Atusa Rubenstein, she was pretty young when she was running Cosmo. I think she was like 25. She was like the youngest editor-in-chief at the time. And she was her whole team was young people too. And so a lot of it felt, I mean, in retrospect, like Atusa felt like she was an adult, but she really, she wasn't. She was like closer probably to the teen's age than she would have been if she was running like Women's Day or like one of the family magazines. And, but I do think surrounding yourself with young people does help. Yeah. I should point out, I worked at Cosmo Girl from age 25 to 30. What? Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll be able to do this forever. Like, I didn't get why people aged out of certain magazine or media demographics. Like, I'd see the age of the people I was working with, and I saw there was nobody over the age of 40. And I was like, I'm going to 
do, buck that trend. And then, of course, I got laid off right at the, on my, like, 30th birthday. So I was like, <laughs> oh, guess I'm done writing to teens. <laughs> yeah. Because um, Cosmo Girl, well, Cosmo Girl folded at that point. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were there at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it would be really hard to be a 40-year-old married with two kids writing a love column for teens. But, you know, so, yeah. you could tap into that. I, I think if it's a muscle. So I think we could do it. I think you and I could start a magazine for teens and make it feel authentic and cool. But I think at this point, I'm more interested in just understanding marketing, reaching, reaching. Yeah. 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 So when you were growing up, who were the culture purveyors that you learned about beauty from, that you learned about even grooming and body stuff and all the things that like you'd be maybe embarrassed to talk to your parents, unless it was your parents. I don't know. I have a very easy answer to that. It truly a no brainer question because I have an older brother and that's it grew up in rural Missouri and largely pre-internet. And so I learned literally everything from teen magazines. Like it's not an exaggeration to say that. I learned about body stuff from 17 and then Teen Vogue started, Cosmo Girl started when I was probably, oh gosh, I should look back at the actual issues. I think Cosmo Girl started in 1998. Mm -hmm. I would have been about 11. So I was into teen magazines when I was young. I remember my mom let me get my first 17. Actually, I could be wrong. Cosmo Girl maybe didn't start in 1998. My mom let me get my first teen magazine in 1998. I was 11. It was a 17. It was a back-to-school issue. The back-to-school issues just were the absolute best, and I love back-to-school time. All the products that I thought I needed, I learned about them from teen magazines, from ads in teen magazines. Yeah. So who do you think an 11-year-old today is getting that information from? So something I think about a lot is could teen magazines exist in 2023? And I mean the, the way we experience them, the monthly print delivery, the packaging with obviously TikTok. TikTok is where 11-year-olds are getting all of their information, but yeah. especially beauty. And they're learning from creators like Alex Earl. You know, Alex Earl uses this mascara. Therefore, I, an 11-year-old girl, want to use this mascara too, which is really powerful, right? It's powerful for brands to be able to place their products on these creators. But at the end of the day, like the creators need to be a little more, they're a little more beholden to like, if the product is shit versus like with a teen magazine, an ad, you know, maybe I saw an ad for Maybelline mascara. It's a little bit different where like the creator's on the line to like ensure that it's a good product. I don't know if this, if that makes things better or worse as a young consumer, but it does add like an interesting layer to it. Yeah. I remember we did some research on Cosmo Girl and it amazed me that the that the readers didn't really get the difference between an advertisement and an editorial. Like some did. To me, it was very distinct. Ours had fact checkers. I did reporting, et cetera. Obviously, it was, it was advertisers got more play than other people on the pages. But like then you go over to the ad and the ad was paid for. And they didn't really get the difference. But now it's even more mushed up. But yet yeah. they seem to be a little bit savvy about branded content, don't they? Because, you know, influencers will get called out. So to your point about magazines, it is really interesting to be an adult who has worked in marketing now to look back at these magazines and see these products in the sort of product curated product pages and then see an ad for them. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that's why that product was there. But as a teenager, I was like, this product is here because the editors tried it and they loved it. (laughs) It's just funny, the earnestness that you sort of, as a teen, you're like, if it's good enough to be in a magazine, it must be great. And of course, through trial and error, you discover that like that's not necessarily the case. And I do think with sponsored content with creators these days, because so much of it is like, this is my face. I'm looking at you on TikTok. I'm applying this lipstick. It's easier to call out that is not great lipstick. There is like a little bit of a built in, like a forcing function that the product needs to be good because there's like no way to Photoshop it. There are, of course, ways to like, you know, you could use your Chanel lipstick and claim that it's the CoverGirl lipstick. It, it, there are ways to sort of fake it a bit. Yeah, look at Michaela got like called out yes. for using a mascara, but it had a false. Everybody saw false lashes in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then like you call it out and it's like, then that ruins her reputation or doesn't ruin her reputation. It gets her a lot of press actually, but it's an interesting time, I think, to be 
a brand <laughs> and also to be a creator sort of navigating these, the nuances with sponsored content. But to your point also and about- And a consumer. And yeah. a consumer. But I do think if Alex Earl gets like an Amazon deal, it's interesting to see the commenters are like, get your bag, girl. They're so supportive of it. I think because there's a lot of candidness around like this is sponsored hashtag Amazon partner where it's like, okay, as a consumer, you're like, all right, this is obviously paid for. It might be a great product, but I have that information to know that it's not just a straight up recommendation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, capitalism. It's so fascinating. <laughs> so in your newsletter, I've noticed, so after school's your newsletter, right? You do like yes. this tight edit of stories about youth culture, media marketing that resonates with that generation. But I have noticed there are always beauty stories in the mix without fail almost every day. But I would say like maybe 15, 20 years ago, beauty wasn't as big a part of the cultural conversation. Like sure, fashion and music always were. Do you think it's become more of a part of the conversation or I'm just noticing it more? That's a great question. I don't know if you can tell by the fact that I have no makeup on. I'm not a makeup person. I'm not like a beauty girl. But writing after school and tracking these youth trends, it's obvious that beauty is an enormous part of these girls' lives. And when I was a teenager, I used Bonnie Bell lip smackers. Like that was my makeup. Now it's like they're, they know how to do a full face. Like they could, these girls could come here and give me a full face of makeup in ways and that I care. They use serums. Yes, we we need to talk. Of, that's that's a whole thing that we should definitely talk about because the skincare routines that these girls have, the amount of money that they're putting into preserving their beautiful skin is wild. When I was a teenager, and not to keep bringing it back, but that was my experiences. I would get the clean and clear toner. I maybe like had those blotting sheets. That was my skincare. I don't know if you remember the little blotting sheets that you keep in your locker. And now have, they have 10-step skincare routines. I was interviewing a Gen Zer for a story last fall. And this thing that she said continues to haunt me. She was talking about her favorite skincare brands from Sephora. She told me drunk elephant is something that comes up a lot again and again for Gen Z, but really that's like an 11 year old's brand. When you get a little bit older and you get a little bit smarter, then you're going for like the more expensive brands. Drunk elephant, drunk elephant. It's like I used Neutrogena, you know, it's just, it's crazy. And it's like $68 retinoid like serums, vitamin C, alpha hydroxy acids. That's for the junior high kids. And yeah, it really did haunt me. But she also, we FaceTimed and she walked me through her bathroom so I could see all of her makeup. And she had- How old was she? She was, oh God, it's been a year, but I think she was 15. So she was young, lived in Connecticut, was on sports teams, fresh faced. She had this amazing makeup and skincare collection and strong opinions about all of this stuff. This is an aside, but what were some of the brands? Do you remember? And obviously it was a year ago, everybody, so <laughs> might be outdated now. <laughs> so I, I'm surprised this was a big brand for her and continues to be a big brand just in the research that I do, but Charlotte Tilbury. Like they love Charlotte Tilbury, hmm. which for me, like it's expensive and nice makeup, but it's like, how did Charlotte crack the code there? Obviously, Glossier is a big thing for teens, but what was interesting talking to her, and again, this was a year ago, so a lot has happened, which including Glossier is now in Sephora's, but she said, a lot of my friends like Glossier, but I haven't actually been to Glossier's store. There's not a location close to me, so I haven't tried it yet because I, I don't like to order that stuff online. Now, of course, Glossier is in every Sephora, so I feel like their sort of influence over young people is even more widespread. But I know Glossier gets a ton of hype, especially the last week with with Marissa's book coming out. But I think that you can't overstate its influence on the beauty industry in general, but especially this cohort of, uh, you know, Gen Z. I live in Williamsburg, and every time I walk by the Williamsburg Glossier location, there's pretty much always a line, which is fascinating because there's a Sephora on Bedford several blocks away that has an entire Sephora section too. And it's just, it's very interesting. And also something interesting about the Williamsburg Sephora with the Glossier makeup display is almost always sold out. The mascara, they can't keep that stuff in stock. Like it's just, it's such a popular thing. And I I honestly am a Glossier girl. I've been writing after school for three years and so many of the new products that I've tried in the last three years have been like directly because of recommendations and Gen Z trends. 
I'm thinking, yeah, Charlotte Tilbury doesn't seem to me to be a teen brand, but it just speaks to the importance of beauty that they're willing to plunk down more money than teens in past generations would have on makeup. But like, is it too simple to say that's because of Instagram and social media or like when everybody got a smartphone or is it Facebook? Like, do you see an inflection point of where, when it became like beauty is what kids are into? So I do think Glossier, there was an inflection point with Glossier. And then there was like a flood of all of these sort of like DTC, CPG brands that have like cute, minimalist packaging. Like bubble skincare. Bubble skincare is super interesting the way that they've sort of built out their company. They've used, I don't know if you know much about their like growth marketing sort of strategy, but they used like a Discord or a Slack, but it's called Geneva. It's like a little bit more like aimed at teens. And they use this Geneva to build up their super fans, their community. And then they just go to them. And now a lot of beauty brands have also like mimicked this strategy. But it is really interesting the way that was their go to market was just to like build a Gen Z cohort of fans and then just for product formulation, for branding, for like right down to like who they should, what celebrities they should tap for their, you know, to be the face. But then I I think something interesting that has also happened is all of these celebrity beauty brands have come up and it's like Selena Gomez's rare beauty brand is so, so popular. Like I probably spent 10 hours last month one week watching back to school shopping hauls that Gen Zers filmed. And because I tallied up what they bought and was most interested in like, what are the products that are coming to the surface as like, these are obvious trends. And it was a lot of fashion, obviously, but they all went to Sephora as part of their back to school shopping hauls at the mall. They all had their Sephora bags and they all got Rare Beauty, the blush. It's like that the blush. blush. Yeah. Everyone freaking loves the blush. I haven't tried the blush, but I'm like so tempted to. It's funny. You're you're calling out products though. And I'm like, okay, when literally when that launched, I bought the blush first. I immediately, as a beauty editor, my job is to edit. I was like, the blush is going to be a winner. I knew it before it was even on shelves. I don't know why I just knew. Charlotte Tilbury, when that came out, I was like, this stuff works. These shadows and these lip products are going to be a winner. They're just quality products. I know some things, it becomes like your friend has it, so you want to have it. But a couple of things you've named, well, they're popular for a reason, right? Like boy brow is right up there is like one of the best brow products. So bubble, I don't know. My skin just is not that skin. So yeah. <laughs> bubble doesn't do it for me. But there's a little bit chicken and egg. It's like, are they popular because they're good or are they popular because they're popular? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think something else with this Gen Z skincare beauty, their routines, their shopping, like no one is going to Walmart or Target to buy beauty products unless they're like viral dupes. When I was growing up, I'm from rural Missouri. We had one small mall. We had one like department store that wasn't even like a lesser Macy's, but they had a couple of makeup counters. One of them was Clinique. And so when my like rite of passage moment was my mom picking me to the Clinique counter and getting the three-step skincare. And I still think that Clinique is like poised for a comeback. But I remember even then like Clinique makeup, she was like, you're a teenager. You don't need Clinique makeup. We can go to Walmart and we can get, oh, you know, Maybelline mascara or whatever. And so I used Great Lash probably until I was like 27 or working at Teen Vogue because I just thought Great Lash was just what you used. Although it was in all the teen magazines that I grew up reading. And I just thought that's what you use. I don't think that Great Lash is an iconic product for them. Yeah. As you're talking about where people are getting their information, Alex Earl, obviously, but and what they're buying, I'm wondering, do you think that the media landscape is as fragmented as people think? Because personally, I look at the high school and young 20s kids or people in my neighborhood, they all look the same. Obviously, they are all different races and sizes and genders, but like they got the same backpack, they got those big old loose jeans on and a little cropped, they look the same to me. So if they are really finding their niche and that's what internet culture brings now, that you can find your people anywhere, right? And your little corner of the internet and corner of the world where you feel safe, how are these mass trends still happening? That You watched back to school videos, you said. Probably you saw a lot of the same stuff, I'm imagining. Yeah, I, I mean, it's really crazy to watch, say like, 
10 hours of back to school hauls because you're seeing the exact same products come up again and again and very specific products like this one North Face backpack with the bungees across. They all had it this year. It's literally just a North Face backpack. Why do they all get that one? It's just like when we grew up and it was like, you want to have the exact low rise jean from Hollister or whatever. Another product that came up again and again was low rise cargo. They're so into baggy cargos from a store <laughs> called Garage. I like vaguely knew Garage existed. Like the, is it like a PacSun offshoot or something? I think it's a Canadian brand, but it's, oh, it's very okay, PacSun. Okay. It is very PacSun. But I think because of TikTok, because of the way that the For You algorithm, like you're seeing this product and you're like, oh, those are cute. And so you're buying it. But then so are like literally a million other people your age. So I do think like there is a flattening that's happening even more so than there used to be because we're all seeing the same product recommendations. Yeah. Like there was a hot minute when first TikTok came out or Instagram where it was fragmented and you could be on the internet and find your people and not even know who an Alex Earl was, but it's the algorithm. Like the better the algorithms got, the flatter the fragmentation got in a way with trends. Yeah. I, one thing that does sort of like, I won't say it haunts me, but in spending all this time looking at back to school shopping halls or like another big moment is obviously rush talk is big or even just like they all share their back to school Christmas list. And then a couple of weeks later, they share their back to school Christmas hauls. But in, in watching all of this, I tried to keep in mind, like there is a very specific kind of person who's sharing this content online. This is not representative of all of Gen Z. This is like obviously a slice of Gen Z, but at the same time, a lot of them who don't fancy themselves influencers, they don't aspire to be influencers. They still share this content. But a lot of back to school hauls that I watch would say, I'm not an influencer and I'm, I'm not trying to be an influencer, but I love this content. So I wanted to film my own and share this. And so it's very interesting to see them engage with, I got this thing, you know, it, it, it that sort of influencer culture, but also add the caveat of like, I don't want to be an influencer. I'm not trying to be an influencer because there is a little bit of a shame pride thing happening where if I started like posting my outfits I wouldn't want anybody to say, look at I believe in my day it was called a poser. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Look at this girl trying to be an influencer. How embarrassing for her. There's this fear in the back of your head. It's more specific, but it's the same general teen fear of looking like you're trying too hard. Yes, 100%. I'm thinking about something that you said just about this whole cringe thing and being a poser. This was in an article I read you were quoted in. You said, the teenage years are always just so awkward and awful. Having a surplus of information now is no better than having not enough information back then, meaning like before internet culture. I don't know. But what do you what do you mean by that? I do think it's almost even worse now because there is so much information out there. Some of it is good information. Some of it is not. And you're also seeing all of these people who look like Kendall Jenner at 13, at 16, where you're like, my face is like still growing into itself. I have all of these zits. It's impossible not to compare yourself to these beautiful people who are putting themselves on the internet. And at the same time, I do think there is like a little bit more acceptance happening in terms of Starface, I really do believe, has like helped teens own their zits. That is one of my favorite back to school shopping hauls that I watched this year was a girl. She had like a couple of stars on her face. She didn't even mention it. It like literally didn't even think about it. And I, I do think that there is a lot of that. But, you know, we're seeing these numbers of young people getting plastic surgery. And that was simply not the case to the extent that it is now when we were growing up, which is really sad and scary. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's Hyacera is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all 
weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp, something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia, and guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey Love's superpower shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. everyone, it's Jen. You know Jess and I often talk about how aloe moves helps us stay fit. But May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I really wanted to point out how amazing the site and app are for mental health as well. It is so easy for me to get stuck in a rut mentally or get stressed out or feel lonely when I'm working from home. I'm guessing you've all been there too. But I found that a much more productive way to deal with those feelings, or even just like a bad day, is to hop on allomoves.com and reset. Allo Moves is the award-winning on-demand streaming wellness platform app and website that has workouts, mindfulness, nutrition, self-care, and more to help boost your mental and physical well-being. I also love that I can take the same class as friends or connect with other members in the community comments. Allo Moves really brings people together. Lately, I have been very into the five-minute relaxation body scan with Susie Mark Shifflin. Guys, Susie is the most soothing instructor. She incorporates these sound bath sounds into her head-to-toe relaxation exercise. It's so easy to do. Obviously, there are also yoga classes and exercise classes and so many other things you can learn and check out on allomoves.com, but I just had to share that one with you. Find yourself together when you join Allo Moves. Join the community on allomoves.com today and use code FATMASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MASCARA20 for a 30-day free trial plus 20% off an annual membership. Again, that's allomoves.com and the code is MASCARA20. Yeah, like you'll be able to find information on period underwear, how to deal with that. But then also you're bombarded with perfected images of people with no body hair and no pimples. And that makes it tough. Obviously, Facetune exists. Like people are making their images look more perfect than they are. But we're seeing girls go viral on TikTok over and over again because they're just beautiful people. And it's just, I don't know, the comparison game is very tough for anyone who is online, but I think especially tough for like when you're 16. As you look into what teens and people in their young 20s are into, are there any beauty trends that you're just like, what? I don't get it. Like Starface, I can get that. You're both healing your pimple, accepting it. They look cute. But are there any trends? Oh my God, your face is saying, oh yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, Which things don't you get? 
okay, very interesting to write after school every day. And then I do like a really long weekend one where I just sort of like every trend that has happened in the last week. And it's been fascinating doing this. It's almost like a experiment of like how fast the trend cycle moves these days. But a lot of these trends that sort of get written up, they get headlines, they go viral, so to speak. You're sort of like, are these actually trends or is this one TikTok that went viral and it's literally someone filming themselves in their bathroom? Is this actually a trend that's happening on the street? And I'm really grateful to live in New York while writing this because living here provides a lot of like, yes, this is a thing that's happening or no, this is not happening. There's just people are stylish here and there's like tons of young people around. And if there's anything that I'm like, is this actually a thing? I'll just walk through the Lower East Side. It's your laboratory. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But You're so, testing your theories. I thought fake freckles were for sure just a fake TikTok thing. Like I did not think that people were actually putting fake freckles on their face. And I thought it was just something that they were doing to be cute online. And I was walking my dog and this girl came around the corner and it, you know, when you see someone in New York, it, you're, they're obviously like, they've lived here a couple months, their parents from the Midwest are visiting. They've like, they, they've like <laughs> leaned into their New Yorkness a bit. I'm from the Midwest, so I can say that. But this girl fully had tons of fake freckles on her face. And so I realized a lot of these trends that feel like too weird and too bizarre to actually be real life trends, like they, they actually are. Fake freckles, I think, is a trend that is ridiculous. It's sun damage, right? Like freckles are so cute and I love, but it's like, we're really just like putting freckles on our face. Yeah. I, th there's also just like, there's beauty trend after beauty trend written up in, you know, publications where it's like, Strawberry Girl Summer is here and here are the red lipsticks yep. that you, and it's, it, you know. Golden hour makeup, milk yeah, chocolate exactly. makeup. They're always like food. Copper penny makeup is one that I saw. Yes. Like, the thing about like these micro trends and part of the reason why I love this space and I love trend research is as like eye rolly as so many of them are zoomed out. There are like larger cultural implications here and maybe you can't see them at first, but then maybe something that I've experienced is like looking back and thinking like, oh, that trend was like the very beginning of this larger thing, or this was caused because of what, you know. And so that's why I do love and find it worthwhile to track these things because they are telling us more than just that pumpkin spice makeup is trending for fall. Yeah. I feel like the freckles could be a larger trend of like a cosplay thing where you're yes. trying on a skin, like a character. Yeah. And it was also part of the clean girl beauty thing was a big thing last summer. This, this freckles that, you know, when I saw it in the flesh, it was like this happened last summer and the clean girl thing was like, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think the freckles, there was one of the cores. I can't remember now what it was, but it was just very cutesy. And I think that Cottage core, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, and and I think had a little freckle moment in there. <laughs> I think that you know, at, coming out of COVID, like people had been wearing sweats and leggings, and then they wanted to like maybe lean into the feminine. Like they, they wanted to it's like a homie, a the, pioneering yeah. spirit, uh, like the simpler times. Exactly. Right, I see your side <laughs> of it too. I was making it very techno, but you were bringing it back to the land. I like that. But you know, I look at that trend, and it and it reminds me like. Okay, back in the like 1910s and stuff, people were putting fake moles on their face. And that's technically sun damage and they were doing that to be cool. And that makes me think, well, nothing old is new again. Does that adage still hold? Or can you point to a trend you've seen lately in beauty that feels truly new to you? Oh God, no. I mean, honestly, no. Like I did this exercise a couple of weeks ago where I, I mentioned I love back to school teen magazines. And I looked at, I can't remember if it was like 1999, one of the back to school 17s. And my goal looking through it was like, have any of these trends not come back? Is there anything that truly hasn't made a comeback in here? I felt like flipping through the pages was like walking through Dime Square. The butterfly clips or the hair jewels, like everything. I can't think of anything that's truly new. I mean, I think that there are some of these sort of like derivative TikTok makeup trends that feel like this is not actually a thing. There was something a couple of weeks ago, a headline on latex lips. And it's like, this is lip gloss. Let's call it what it is. The constant repackaging of things, like let's call it what it is. But I can't think of anything that feels truly novel. I mean... Maybe like some nail trends. I don't pay a ton of attention to like nail art, but like maybe there's something 
I bet if we went back in the history of the world, we would find, I think I even have written a story about this, like nail tips, like super long stiletto nails. Like people were putting wood and things on their nails back in the day. Obviously it was not the versions we have now. Yeah. Or even like something like Barbie Botox was like something that people were talking about this summer. And it's like, you can clearly see why people are talking about Barbie Botox. It was the summer of Barbie, but it's like, that's just a repackaging of existing Botox. This is not a new thing. Slash go all the way back to different cultures that lengthen the neck of women by putting weighted necklaces on your trapezoids to make the neck look longer. I mean, that's like there might be cultural significance and religious significance and all of that, but it's still a human need to like mess with our appearance. Do you think the trend cycle, you know, you were talking about how speedy it is. I remember it used to be like, okay, every 20 years something comes back. Maybe not with beauty, but more so with fashion. Do you think that staying still holds? Like people in the 90s were all like into bell bottoms from the 70s again. Okay. So I was thinking about this. The 20-year trend cycle feels like it has accelerated, right? Because I moved to New York in 2010. I remember wearing like peplums or like we were wearing like little bubble mini skirts or obviously ballet flats. peplum top. That was so hot then. It was such a time. And I think about like, I look back at some of the outfits I wore when I worked at Teen Vogue and I was like, what was wrong with me? Like I was dressing like a five-year-old, but then you look at Gossip Girl and you're like, no, that's just like kind of how people dress. Looking back at issues of Teen Vogue at that time, like, makes me feel less bad about the way that my own style at that time. Because oh, I'm you like, were on trend, girl. You were in fashion. Don't you worry. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've seen these bubble skirts, like, come back up on, like, American Eagle or Hollister Abercrombie. And that wasn't 20 years ago. That was, like, maybe... 10. And so I think it can't continue to accelerate though, because. Well, fast fashion plays into this, right? Like, cause these yeah. retailers can put out those clothes so much quicker than anyone could 15 years ago. So they're almost forcing us to recycle trends faster so that they can continue to put out new stuff. Yeah. But like the 2010s coming or 2015s even coming back it's like already, soon. it's like too soon. How can you I am a minimalist and I like to like get rid of things. I do. I mean, in nature of living in New York, I guess, but uh, there are so many things that I've gotten rid of in the last five years that you can already see start to make a comeback. And I'm like, why did I get rid of that? Like I should have known it would have made a comeback. Okay. So beauty wise, is there anything you think deserves a revival? Any trend you're like, oh, we're ripe to have this come back. I would like to see some of these brands from my youth make a comeback. Like the Bonnie Bell Lip Smacker. I would love to see Lip Smackers do some like crazy cool collaboration. I think it's less like less trend oriented and more just like interesting products. Like the MAC Lip Glass will go down in history as like one of my favorite. And you know, it's still around, but I would like to see that be like an it item again. Oh, yeah. Like you needed to have a lip gloss and a juicy tube was hot. Like so exactly. hot for like a couple of years in the early aughts or whatever. But I really can't think of any beauty trends. I can think of a lot of trends that I hope don't. Tell me. Tell me. Well, I think all of the Kate Moss rail thin like pressure that we felt in like looking back at these at teen magazines, there's obviously literally no diversity whatsoever. Body mm-hmm. diversity is like the least of it, but it's like homogeneity does not need a comeback. (laughs) It does not. It does not. And I think that is sort of a beauty trend in a way, in a very dark way. (laughs) This is very specific, but the Sally Hansen suntan thing that you would put on your legs. I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember that product? legs? Yes. 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 Teens are like using tanning beds again, which is bad. Obviously we care about like sun damage, but I do think there is a lot of interesting stuff to be done in the like self-tanning space or just like that area in general. Yeah, because Paris Hilton was like orange back then. She was. was orange. I, white people I'm talking about, yeah. One trend that I, I think back fondly, and I won't say that I necessarily wanted to make a comeback, but it seems inevitable was, do you remember the like John Frieda sheer blonde line and the sort of like spiky like gel that, do you remember the tw- John Frieda twins? Uh-huh. 
And I think their mom was maybe like an exec at John Frieda. And I think they were in one of the first issues of Teen Vogue. There was a whole spread on them. And I remember like being a teen in Missouri thinking like, these girls are so lucky to have gotten discovered. And then of course, like now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, their mom was an exec. Of course they weren't discovered at the mall. But you know, that was a lot of Teen Vogue. But yeah, the the sheer blonde John Frieda line. And there was like that amazing beach spray. I don't know if you remember the John Frieda, like I can smell it just talking to you. It won a Cosmo Girl Beauty Award many times. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, yes. Oh, I could bl- I'm not going to bother the audience with this, but like I could blow your mind with some nostalgia. But that actually makes me think, has this nostalgia always been in culture? Right now feels especially nostalgic to me. And I don't know what's going on, but people are yearning. Even you yourself were yearning for like a Bonnie Bell or like the smell of something. Yeah, I think we're all just like stressed and borderline anxious, depressed as a society. And I think that there's just a lot of nostalgia for like what we visualize as simpler times. Like, why am I nostalgic for Bonnie Bell? Because that seems like a, maybe if I get a Dr. Pepper Bonnie Bell lip smacker, like maybe it'll chill me out. I, I just think there is like the Y2K, like flip phones, like those are obviously making a comeback. Like, I don't know how it's not exactly a widespread trend, but like, there's a reason we feel nostalgic for a time that we couldn't be constantly like bombarded with noise and messages and notifications. Modern life, I think, is a lot. And I think that some of these old products and trends, they make us feel a little bit comfortable. Yeah. Okay. As we wrap up, I feel like we need to look forward. We need to do zeitgeist and forward thinking. What's on the beauty horizon? Because I feel like you see the beauty stories day in, day out. What do you think is making noise right now? I think people are still just like going for the Hailey Bieber aesthetic. So they want to be like super (laughs) moisturized. I think it's still like the clean girl idea. I I don't like that term. It's not a good term. Obviously there's a lot. It's problematic and for many reasons, but I do think this sort of like minimalist makeup emphasis on skincare, just trying to like basically look your best in a way that's not like the overly contoured and having more natural eyebrows. Like we just saw that Kendall Jenner, like her eyebrows are suddenly so much more natural looking and so are her lips. There's like speculation that she either is in love because of Bad Bunny and that's why she looks great. Or maybe she just went a little bit more relaxed on the, I spend too much time on TikTok, but a little, you know, went a little less on the Botox. And I do think we're seeing like the overblown face modifications or, you know, plastic surgery. I think that people are like wanting to scale back a bit and like look a little bit more like Hailey Bieber. Who herself probably has some I've seen speculation, but I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Or like Emma Chamberlain. I think people love Emma Chamberlain and she's obviously a very beautiful person, but she's also someone who you feel like would get a coffee with you. She would have no makeup on. Like she's just a chill person who is real. And I think there's a lot of that, which I feel like is probably the least interesting answer. I think we're going to continue seeing these very, very micro trends because of TikTok. Someone puts a like flashy hashtag on it and then suddenly everyone's like, oh, this is a new look that we all need to get on board with. And I think a lot of this is like, it's not actually a trend. It's the women's media who need new headlines to, you know, new things to write about. (laughs) Jess and I have talked about this. At first we rolled our eyes at it and then we're like, what are we talking about? Literally, that was our job. You'd be like, oh God, it's red lipstick again. We can't say red lipstick. What should we call? Oh, it's it's oxblood. Oxblood is the season. Like, you know, we'd make up stuff. It's lip gloss again. Let's call it lip oil. (laughs) It's genius. Product people called it that too. But it, come on, it's the same thing. And... It's all capitalism, like, to sell more product, at least from the point of view of me as a writer. I felt like I was very much part of that machine. And even if people on TikTok don't feel like they are, you're watching hauls. You're watching literally people buying stuff. That's the content. And that's just the nature of trends, right? That's the nature of, like, how we as consumers exist. But when I was at Teen Vogue, like, I remember one month, our best story was, you know, we— did so much like interesting reporting at the time and they still do. But like, I remember our best story and this was when we were beholden to Facebook. So it was a totally different time, but it was Kylie Jenner. I think was, we said Kylie Jenner dyed her hair blue. It was literally a wig, but it was still like people saw that headline and they wanted to see what, but then it's like, okay, Kylie Jenner dyed her hair blue. And then if someone else does this, then you're like, okay, well, people are going to start doing this. Like, do you remember when beauty editors had all like their hair was crazy colored when I was at Teen Vogue? Eva Chen, I think 
she was the beauty director at the time. I think she had blue hair at one point or like pink hair. Oh yeah, it was super hot. Yeah. And so I think as like I really as so many of these trends, trend headlines are like they are indicative of, of things to come. Maybe. Sometimes that means nothing, but pumpkin spice beauty is stupid, but it's also like people are obsessed with pumpkin spice and that trend is going nowhere. And we're going to continue seeing it and it's going to continue evolving into whatever. Yeah. So personally, let's talk more about buying stuff and trends. Like what are, what are you into? You seem like such a beauty girl. You know your <laughs> stuff. Like what are you, you using? So I really am. I feel so basic and like I'm trying to be a teen and saying this, but I really do love Glossier. Like I use Boy Brow. I use the mascara. I also am a huge fan of their new foundation. Their stretch foundation that they just launched a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to try it. I'm not a foundation girl, but I placed a Sephora order unrelated and they put in like a bunch of samples of, you know, different colors. Oh, I love when they give you the shade range. This shade was perfect for my skin and they call it foundation, but it's very sheer in a nice way. And I used Ilya Skin Tint Forever. This stuff is better. Okay, tell me, because I know someone's listening and thinking this, what was your Ilya Skin Tint and what is your Glossier foundation shade? So the Ilya that I've used forever is ST10 Porto. Okay. Tell it's, it's very loved. And this Glossier foundation sample came at the perfect time and I used the entire sample and I was like, I've got to go get more. And I happened to go to the Sephora on the day that it launched. And so they had like the full, the day that it launched in Sephora, it launched. Yeah. Yeah. So my perfect shade is medium four of the stretch fluid foundation. I believe it has pink undertones is what I think it says. And does it have that sheer kind of quality, like, and it turns to powder like the Ilia does? Do you know what I mean? Not to powder, but it has that like quick dry down. You know what I'm saying? Yes, more so than Ilia, I would say. So it's medium four. It's the medium with pink undertones. But I will say I did get the light four too for my under eyes. I don't love concealer. And this one is like- So you're using it as concealer. Just a little bit, just to like, because the the medium four was a little much. So the, the interesting thing about it is they call it foundation, but they claim it that it's 89% skincare. It definitely feels more like, it feels more like a tinted moisturizer, but- Glossier's tinted moisturizer I didn't love because it was so light that I was like, this isn't doing anything. I call it Emperor's New Makeup. Yeah. I love Jones Road, but there's a couple Jones Road products where you're just like, I literally don't look different. (laughs) Yeah. But you believe you do because you spent $38. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I continue to be an Ilya fan. However, like the oilness of it, I feel like it just makes That's me a little slip. oily. Yeah. And uh, Glossier is not the same. So yes, I love Glossier. I love Charlotte Tilbury. Through after school, like tend to like test out products that are like for Gen Z and anytime something, I don't so much go for like the dupes as much just because I don't, but Euphoria I tried. Are you familiar Mm-hmm. I am. Thoughts, opinions? I love the BYO blush that changes. It's like blush oil. I love an oil. Oh. I mean, I'm so... I'm Everything so- old is new again. We had a pH adjusting blush. Like every five years, there's a new brand that gets into it. And you're like, this is genius. And yes. every time I'm like, it's the same active ingredient. But yeah, they look it's great. It's so fun. It's so fun to it's put on. It's super fun. And I also suddenly, like their packaging. Yes. I like their packaging. I love the little like uh, magnetic stacking thing. Yeah, it's called BYO blush. Yes, yeah. It's Cute. so the 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 funny thing though is I mean it looks literally like lip gloss. So you have to be like you have to think about it because it I, I'm always just like thinking that I'm yeah. Um are you saying you automatically go to put it on your lips and have to remind yourself it's yes. for your cheeks? Yeah, I have to like mentally like say like wait, no, this is not lip gloss. I love it. Any other products that come to mind that you love before I have you do the Fat Mascara 5? I can't believe I just like basically told you I have a full face of Glossier makeup. But You like like, what you like. Are you worried you're a poser? (laughs) A little bit. I mean, and like the 90s kid in me is coming out with that. You're like, oh my God, stop saying poser. (laughs) So many, so many people though are like, Glossier is not that good. And so I'm like, man, is it not that good? I think it's good. I like it. So especially the original products, I'm friendly with one of their cosmetic developers. They're good products. Okay. 
A lot of them are based on best in class in other categories that they've taken yeah. from other brands. I'm not accusing them of this. Every brand does this. But they know the Benefit brow is amazing. It also looks like a silver castle that a knight in armor would like. It's a lot of packaging. So if you take yeah. that formula and put it in a simpler packaging, you're going to make a lot of people happy. I'm not saying that's what they did, but you can guess for yourself. To me, those products are very similar. But yeah, it's okay. No one's judging you for your Glossier face. Anything for your hair you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, so I would say I'm much more experimental with my hair because as I'm sure like any curly haired person that you've talked to says, you're just constantly trying to like iterate and figure out your perfect curly hair routine. So like I used to use a shit ton of conditioner and now I'm like experimenting with using like way less conditioner and like hardly washing my hair at all. So this is like, I mean- Beautiful texture. Nice clumping. Thank you. Thank you. So this is Moroccan oil. They have a really nice curly hair cream that I constantly go back to. My cabinet is like just literally every curly hair Experimentation. Product. Yeah. So I don't have a holy grail product. I'm constantly in search of it. Weirdly, one of my favorite curly hair products is a drugstore brand. I was on, my husband and I were doing a road trip through Florida. I was desperate for something. There was no Sephora in sight. And so I got this product by Cake Beauty. Are you familiar? Uh-huh. I don't know which product you're about to say. I don't like scented stuff, but it smells exactly like lemon poppy seed cake. And it's called Curl. It has like a really nerdy name, but it's called Curl Friend Cream. And this stuff is like seven bucks <laughs> and it is so good. Oh, good. Curl friends. I have probably gone through, I'm not kidding you, 20 tubes since I discovered it. I see it. $9.99 on, and 4.8 out of five stars. Not that we can believe that. It's truly very good. But I, the, the, the thing about curly hair though is like what works for me is not going to work for you. But this stuff is awesome. Well, good. You just giving people ideas. I love that. I know I've kept you way too long. I could like talk to you for <laughs> hours about nostalgia and old trends and products. But we have to do the Fat Mascara 5 and get you out of here. You listen to the pod. You know what it's about. First thing that comes to mind, what's the first beauty product you fell in love with? MAC Lip Glass. It was my first time that I took my money that I made babysitting and bought a product at like the fancy, you know, from rural Missouri, had to go all the way to the mall in St. Louis, two hour drive away. Like it was my first like beauty counter beauty product. And the clear, the clear was my favorite. But that, yes, I get it. You get, if you just say lip gloss and don't give a shade, we think you're talking about the clear. Okay. What's the thing you miss most about being a teen? I don't, I'm so happy to not be a teen. There's so much that, like, there's so much that I love about not being, like, especially since I, like, am so often, th like, researching youth trends and stuff. I'm like, I'm so happy that I'm not dealing with this now. I think probably, like, media at that time was just so much more fun. I loved, like, early digital media at that time. And, like, the uh -huh. second I got a home computer at, like, age 16, I was, like, spending all of my time on Gawker and Daily Candy. Like Daily Candy was like, so I was oh, a 16 yeah. year old in Missouri reading Daily Candy, taking mental notes of like, when I go to, when I live in New York, these are the stores I want to go to. And by the time I moved to New York, Daily Candy was no more. But I, I miss like that early days internet at that time. Thing you miss least about being a teen. What don't you miss? I know a lot, but pick one thing, the thing you miss least. I didn't have problem skin really, but I just remember just having zits all the time and just being so embarrassed. Like one would by go them. away and the other yeah. one would come up. Yeah. And they're just like so difficult to cover at that time. And I didn't have Starface stickers to put on them. Yeah. When I think about acne acceptance, I'm like, yeah, they're cute when you're a cute person with a couple pimples. And if you have cystic acne, like, Starface ain't going to cut it. But yes, pimples is something I think a lot of people don't miss about teen years. All right, what's the song that defined your teenage years? I was a massive Hanson fan. Hanson.net was my the very first website I ever visited when I, like, first had privileges. Like, literally, I, I can, like, distinctly remember typing Hanson.net. Typing it in. I thought I was going to marry <laughs> Zach Hanson. I, like, to this day, like, think Mbop is, like, such a perfect song. Hanson.net, Mbop, released 1997. Okay, if there were a movie made about your life, who would play Teenage You? Sarah Jessica Parker. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, 
Wow, I'm feeling nostalgic. I was like thinking, oh, we're going to talk about trends and beauty with teens right now. But now all I'm thinking about is like my teen years and the beauty products I love. But this was so much fun. I really appreciate your time. I love your newsletter. Thank you so much for coming on Fat Mascara. We hope you enjoyed the show. It's your reviews and feedback that help us make the podcast even better. Head over to iTunes to rate and review us or email your thoughts to info at fatmascara.com. We also want to answer your beauty questions and hear what products you love. To share a Razor One product review or to ask a beauty question, email us at info at Fat Mascara. If you send it as a voice memo file, we can even share your voice on the podcast. You can also do that by leaving us a voice message. Our phone number in the United States is 646-481-8182. Thanks so much for listening. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Listen, there are so many skincare products on the market claiming to help reduce fine lines and wrinkles, and you know I will try most of them. But how do you know your products are actually working? Some research to back up the claims. That's why Jess and I are all about Ritual. They created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted a clinical study to take the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual's highest hair is now a part of my skincare routine, and I got in the habit of taking it every day by putting the cute little purple jar right next to my sunscreen. It looks nice on my vanity, and let's be honest, I love that. But once I stuck with the habit, I really noticed a difference in my skin. I am not the only one. In a clinical study, taking Hyacera for 90 days led to a 3.6 time reduction in crow's feet wrinkles as compared to placebo. And it led to a 2.9 increase in skin smoothness. I also like that they're easy to swallow. The capsules sort of taste like vanilla. They're not all weird and fishy like some other supplements. Plus, Ritual is a certified B Corp something we learned about on a recent episode. And all their supplements, including the Daily Protein and their Sleep Bio Series Melatonin Supplement, are vegan, gluten-free, and made traceable. Do what Jess and I did, start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mascara. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mascara for 25% off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.